Turn with me to the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 22, and we're going to read verse 31 and verse 32 as we did last week. And, uh, and I want to minister to you from those two verses in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and verse number 32. The scripture says, and the Lord said unto Simon, or unto Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, Jesus says to him, strengthen your brethren. And I want to stop reading right there this morning. Ask that you bow your heads and we will pray together and ask the Lord for his help and for his anointing in preaching the word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the divine presence of your Holy Spirit that we have sensed as we have gathered here in your name. I am grateful, Father God, for the opportunity to be in the house of God. I am grateful for the opportunity to share your word. In my inadequacy, in my inability, I would ask that you would anoint me and enable me and cause me to be capable of delivering the word that you have placed upon my heart. I would ask this morning, Lord, that you would divinely inspire my thoughts that you would put your word in my mouth and that you would allow the word that comes forth to come forth with clarity, understanding, and power. Let it lodge upon hearts that are touched of God to receive. Let the word of God be planted deep within our spirit this morning. I ask that you bless me, amen, to be a blessing. Give me liberty in the house of the Lord and we will thank you for it. And we will praise you for it. Honor your name. Exalt yourself in our midst and edify our hearts. We pray in Christ's name and everyone in agreement said amen. amen. So last week, if you were here, you know that I started a message and I said last week that we were going to preach a two-part sermon. And I started a sermon last week that I titled, What to Think When You Don't Know What to Think. <laughs> and we have all been there. Can you say amen? Yeah. I've, I've had times in my life when I would, you know, I don't even know what to think. I don't know where to go from here. We've all been there. And the Spirit of the Lord laid upon my heart seven specific things as I prayed and as I sought the Lord uh, a week or so ago to minister to this congregation. And as I began to put the message together last week, I said to my wife and I said to the Lord, there's no way I'm going to get through all of this in one Sunday. So last week we covered three particular subjects. And this week I would like to cover four 
For those of you that were not with us last week, for whatever reason, we had those that were out sick and those that were away and all of that sort of thing. But for those of you that were not with us last Sunday, I want to just recap the last three points that we have already talked about. For those of you that were here, some of it will just be a reminder of where we started. So in doing that, let me just begin by giving you some context to the scriptures that we have read. The text that we have read transpired on the night that Jesus had, had finished the, the Passover meal or the Last Supper with his disciples. They had no sooner finished eating the Passover lamb and the Passover meal. And Jesus says to the disciples as they were there, the hand of the one that will betray me is on the table with mine. And the disciples begin to look at one another and begin to question one another. Is it I? Is it you who would do such a thing? In the midst of that conversation, some of the disciples are also arguing about who is greater than the other. Don't you just love Christian church folks? I mean, you know, we like to get together and argue about who can hit the high C and, amen, who's the best guitar player and who's the best preacher. And None of that stuff matters. We are all simply children of the Most High God, gifted by God, and none of us can do anything except God enables us to do it. Jesus would soon be crucified, and here they are arguing about who was greater. And it's in this context or in this backdrop that Jesus looks at Peter, and he says to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. I thank God that he is ever living to make intercession on our behalf. The Bible teaches us that he, Jesus, is now set down at the right hand of God the Father. And he is praying for us. He is interceding for us. Amen. I'm grateful this morning that he is interceding on my behalf. Scripture teaches us that Satan desires to sift all of us as wheat. Jesus was painting a picture for Simon Peter and showing him that Satan desired to separate him. Sift or sieve or separate him. From the very presence of God. I want you to understand this morning that that is our adversary's primary goal in all of our lives. He desires to sift us and separate us from our faith. And sift us and separate us from our joy. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. He wants to sift us and separate us from our peace that passes all understanding. Because if he can cause you to live in fear instead of faith, then he'll win the victory. His main goal is to sift us and separate us from Christ. And Jesus warns Peter, 
Satan is going to strive, going to uh, try to remove you from your faith. He's going to try to sift you as wheat sifting through a sieve. I want you to understand this morning that the adversary's greatest desire is to sift all of us. Peter looks at Jesus and tells him, everybody else may, everybody else may deny you, but not me. Everybody else may turn their back upon you, but not me. I got this. <laughs> and I just want you to understand this morning, when you are thinking one way, sometimes we need to stop and pray and check the word of God and think again. Can you say Amen. What I wanted to point out to you last Sunday and what I endeavored to point out to you is that Peter thought that he knew how he would react to the trial. How many of you know this morning that it is often easy to have faith when everything is well? How are you today? Yeah, I got the victory. Everything is good. I got the faith. I'm doing all right. Well, let a few hardships come along. And let's see if you have that same jovial attitude. Hello? Because it's easy to have faith when everything is running smooth. But it's a whole other thing to have faith. Amen. When everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And your faith is tried. And your faith is tested. I've been there more than once. You've been there, and I will just tell you as well, you'll be there again. Our faith is often tested. Our faith is often tried. And when we come to those points in our life and we are thinking one way like Peter, we need to stop and pray and consult the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit do our thinking. What to think when you don't know what to think. I shared three points last Sunday. The first one, and I'll just give you uh, hopefully a brief recap. The first uh, heading that I titled last Sunday is when you think that sin or when you think it doesn't matter, think again. When you think that it doesn't matter, think again. Often when we are faced with a situation and we do not have the answer, we try to convince ourselves that it just doesn't matter. Well, I got news for you this morning. It does matter. When you get to a place where you think that it doesn't matter, stop and think again. I had four bullet points under that heading. When you think that sin doesn't matter, think again. Sin matters. Sin separates us from God. What constitutes sin? The scripture said, he that knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. So if you know to do right and you refuse to do right, then that is a sin in your life. And you may be thinking to yourself, Pastor Gary, it's just a small thing. 
It's just a little sin. Did you know that the Bible said that Jesus is coming back for a church that is without spot and without wrinkle? If I had on a white shirt this morning and I had just one spot on that shirt, do you think that it would be visible? I'm telling you, he's coming back for a church that is without spot and without wrinkle. And sin will affect our relationship with Christ. The Bible said in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 29, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. What does that mean? Paul was saying that in the same way that a little yeast affects an entire lump of dough, sin will affect our entire life. It will affect our relationship with Christ. It will affect our growth in Christ. Uh, Amen. Bullet point number two was when you think that your attitude doesn't matter, think again. When you think that your attitude doesn't matter, think again. Amen. Last Sunday I said, amen, or I give you a quote from Charles Swindoll, and this is what he said. I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And you can either live as a negative individual or you can live in a positive faith. And really the reality is that we need to have the mind of Christ. And I pointed out last week that Jesus was never discouraged. I pointed out last week that Jesus was never downtrodden. He was always filled with faith. We need to have a positive spirit. The mind of Christ or the mindset of Christ. Attitude matters and our attitude will have a profound effect upon our life. Bullet point number three was when you think that your choices do not matter, think again. How many of you know we are all a product of our choices? Amen. If you don't like the direction that your life is heading in, choose something different. If I always said, if you want what you got, keep doing what you're doing. If you want something different, you got to change something in your life. Amen. Your choices make a difference. Amen. Choices in our friendships, choices between right and wrong, choices between good and evil constitute or determine whether we will enjoy life or death. Amen. Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Amen. See that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he encourages them. Choose life that you and your seed or your posterity after you may live a godly, blessed life. Choices matter. You can turn toward God or you can turn toward evil. You can turn toward godly principles or you can turn toward an ungodly lifestyle. But understand that both have consequences. 
If you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you will reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, then of the spirit, you will reap life everlasting. We this morning as God's people have been given this beautiful thing called free will. Let me just tell you that the enemy wants to destroy you. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the truth is, we hold the final vote. The enemy is against us and Christ is for us. And we choose which option we desire. Our choices matter. The fourth bulletin point that I made under that first heading was when you think that missing church doesn't matter, think again. It does. We all, I I thought this past week while I was studying this, I used to say many years ago, people are like automobiles when it comes to church attendance. They start missing before they quit. (laughs) Hello? Amen. Don't allow, don't allow superficial. Yes, I understand that there are times when we have to miss being in the house of the Lord. I understand there are times that we choose. As a matter of fact, I plan on going on vacation in March. There are times that we choose to be away from the house of the Lord. But what I'm saying is we should not allow superficial excuses to keep us out of the house of God because it's in the house of God where we are spiritually fed and it's in the house of God where we learn about him it's in the house of God where we are encouraged by one another and beloved we should never neglect the assembling of ourselves together Mm. hallelujah so bullet point number four When you think missing church doesn't matter, think again. It does. Amen. The second point that I made, so I had the first point and four bulletin points or bullet points. The second point that I made last week is when you think that it all depends on you, think again. It doesn't. I know that ain't good English, but when you think that it's all on you, Think again. It's not. Sometimes we get the weight of the world on our shoulders thinking that everything is laid on us. We think that we are the provider for our home. But really, he is our provider. We think that we are the leader of our home. And in reality, we just need to be a good follower because he is our our leader and leading our footsteps. So when you are faced with something, amen, you're faced with a decision or a circumstance or a situation and you feel like it is all on you, stop and think again. It is not. It's dependent upon God. He is our provider. He is our leader. He this morning is our heavenly father. And all we need to do is put our hand in his hand and trust in him. He's got this. He knows, the Bible said, what you have need of before you even ask. How many of you know that? 
He knows that you need that mortgage payment. He knows that you need to have some groceries in the cupboard. He knows that you need that job. He knows uh, that you need those glasses. He knows uh, what you have need of before you even ask. Trust in him. And he will provide the way. He will lead. He will guide. He will see to it. Amen. That your needs are met. Jesus had a discourse with some of the disciples one day. And he said, after all of these natural things uh, men seek, after all the Gentiles are worried about, they're worried about housing. They're worried about food and clothes. uh, And Jesus said, your heavenly father knows that you have need of all of these things. Here's what he said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of this other stuff will be added to you. Our problem is, is that all too often we are searching for the stuff and not God. Hello? Amen. Where we should focus is focus upon him and all the other stuff will just come along. Have you proven that down through the years, Pastor Gary? I can tell you that more times than not, amen, I didn't know where this was coming from or where that, when you're an evangelist, you really do not know what's coming in. Hello? I've had large offerings. I got a $20 bill and a Pepsi one time. Hello? Amen. So what did you do, Pastor Gary? I learned how to trust in God. I learned that if it didn't happen here, it would happen somewhere and my needs would be met because I serve a God that knows how to put meal in the barrel and oil in the wine and take care of my name or my household. Hmm. Amen. So when you think it's all on you, it's not. Number three, when you think that no one cares When you think that no one cares, think again. They do. In fact, Christ cares for us more than we will ever know. When you think that no one cares, think again. There are those that do. I said last week, it may not be those that you thought would care, that care, but someone cares for you. And the Lord cares for all of us. Now, that brings me, those were my three points last Sunday. That brings me to four, or the fourth one. And now I've got four to go through, and it's already a quarter to 12. I didn't know I was going to preach the other three again. Number four, when you think you can't go on, think again. How many of you here this morning have ever come to a place in your life and you just simply said, I can't go any further? I've just, I've burned out, I've spun out, I've, I mean, I've spun my wheels until I am through spinning and I am just done. And I just can't go on anymore. When you think that you can't go on, think again. 
Amen. When you think that you can't go on, instead of raising up the white flag and throwing in the towel and giving in, amen, to the discouragement of our adversary and allowing him to sift us uh, like wheat, uh, amen, let me just tell you, we need to stop, pray, consult the word of God, and then think again because uh, he has made us more than conquerors uh, through Christ Jesus. Have you ever found yourself in a situation, a circumstance that you felt like you couldn't go on? A discouraging place. Amen. I confess to you this morning that there have been times in our ministry, my wife and I, where givers were not so charitable and critics were not so kind and everything that did go wrong could go wrong. Amen. But I came to tell somebody this morning that instead of giving in and throwing up the towel, amen, I looked at the enemy and said you might have knocked me down but I'm back on my feet and I'm ready to fight round two amen pull yourself up by the bootstraps get back in the fight because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world Hmm. hallelujah hallelujah when I was preparing this past week and I got to this section of my sermon I couldn't help but think of Moses and the children of Israel you'll find it in Exodus chapter 14 they are come out of Egypt's bondage Jesus or God tells them where they are supposed to encamp he tells them to camp between Migdal and the sea over against Belzaphon If you understand the geographical area, he was telling them to camp beside a mountain, beside a sea, over against Belzebeth. So there's no way out. They can't go over the mountain. It's too high. They can't go through the water. The water's too deep. And here comes Pharaoh's army. And they are thinking to themselves that we can't go any further. We are about to become, we are about to become a defeated people. And they start complaining to Moses, wish you would have just left us here in Egypt. Isn't this what we told you? Just leave us alone. I'm surprised Moses didn't tell him I came to mess with you a little bit. (laughs) Hello? Amen. Moses inquires of the Lord and says, what shall I do? God says, get up, go forward. Well, we can't go forward. We're locked in. Here comes the army. We got a mountain on one side and water on the other side. Where will we go? God said, reach out your staff and just watch what I do. Just see what I do. Here they're thinking they can't go any further. And Moses, the Bible says, obeys the Lord because God says uh, to him, stand still, fear not, uh, and see the salvation of the Lord that he will show unto you this day because the enemy that you see, you will see them no more again forever. And Moses lifts up his rod. And the water, can you, can you just get a picture of that in your mind? I mean, I know we've, we've watched the Ten Commandments and, and what was that guy's name? Uh, Charlton Heston. I started to say Yule Gibbons, but I don't think that was it. <laughs> he was the guy that ate the pine cones, right? <laughs> can, can you just imagine the, the, the rod is lifted up and the water starts to part? 
And I'm sure that some of the folks are looking around going, hey, look at there. Look at this. They thought they couldn't go any farther, and God made a way. Joshua and the children of Israel marching around the impenetrable walls of Jericho and there was no battering ram that could bring it down. There was no military might uh, that could bring down the walls. But you know what brought it down? A shout of praise uh, and the mighty hand of God uh, when they thought they were done. uh, Amen. And they couldn't go any further and they'd never invade Jericho. God said, I got a plan. Just watch uh, and see what I do. I came to tell somebody this morning. uh, Amen that God is a way maker amen and he'll make a way for you just keep your faith in the Lord and just see what God does amen when I was growing up in the church all of the old saints used to say amen he's a way maker Amen. My grandmother used to say, say to me, Gary, I'm going to tell you something, son. Our God is a way maker. I came to tell somebody this morning that feels like they cannot go any further. Our God, the God that we serve, he is a way maker and he will make a way for you. You say, but I don't know how. It's not up to you to know how. I don't see an answer. It's not up to you to provide the answer. God, himself will make a way where there doesn't seem to be any way. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When you think that you can't go on, think again. Amen. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Isaiah 54 and 17 says that no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Amen. Are you a servant of the Lord? Then your inheritance this morning is that no weapon will be able to prosper against you. And he goes on to say, every tongue that shall rise up in judgment against you you will condemn for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and he says their righteousness is of me saith the Lord I come to tell you today God has your back and he'll make a way for you hallelujah remember Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 What does it say, Pastor Gary? I can do all things. Not in your strength, not in your might, but through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Sometimes we just, you know, we just, we're like, well, I know the Lord said he wouldn't put anything on me more than I can handle. I think I'm there. Our problem is, is we just don't know how much we can handle with God's help. Because it is not up to us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is not by my might. It is not by my power. But it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How do we have that effective and active in our life? You get connected to the vine. 
I told an individual this past Sunday after I preached last Sunday, I had someone that called me and needed counseling and I spent a couple hours with them and visiting with them and I told them this. I said, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. None of us have ever had to stand around a, a, a grapevine and convince that vine to produce grapes. It just happens. It just happens naturally. You don't have to sit out there day and night and go, come on, baby, make some grapes. <laughs> nope. It just happens. Why? Because it's connected to the vine. You want to see some Holy Ghost power in your life. You want to see some joy and some long suffering and some gentleness and some meekness and some fruit of the Spirit in your life. Get connected to the vine and it'll just happen naturally in your life. Hmm. Amen. You won't have to coerce it to come out. It'll just happen. Hmm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So number four, when you think that you can't go on, you can. Number five, when you think that God has abandoned you, think again. He has not. We may feel like it sometimes. We may even feel like the Lord has forsaken us. And like, Lord, where did you go? And I can't feel you and I can't find you. And I don't feel those Holy Ghost doodads running out and down the back of my neck. I don't know where you went. But I assure you this morning that he has not left you. If the Bible teaches us anything, it teaches us that God will never leave us or forsake us. The Apostle Paul, when he went on trial at his first hearing, this is what he reports in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 and verse number 17. This is what he says. At my first hearing, no one stood up in my defense. I'm reading the God's Word translation. At my first hearing, he went to court. He's facing a judge. And he says, at my first hearing... There wasn't anybody that stood up in my defense. Everybody that I thought would testify on my behalf forsook me. He said, at my first hearing, no one stood up in my defense. Everyone abandoned me. How many of you know people will do that? I've had them do it to me. They will abandon you. People that you didn't think would abandon you will abandon you. But listen to what Paul says. However, the Lord stood by me and gave me strength and snatched me out of the lion's mouth. Now get a picture of that. What Paul was saying was if the trial had went badly, I would have been lion food. And nobody stood up in my defense, but the Lord showed up 
and he strengthened me. He helped me. He upheld me. I come to tell you this morning, you may feel like you've been abandoned. You may feel like you've been forsaken. But if you will just allow the Lord to stand by your side, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. You are not alone this morning. No matter what you are going through, You are not alone. Romans chapter 8 verse number 35. This is what Paul said. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then he answers his own question. No. Nay. But in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. Amen. Well, let me just tell you this morning, if you have been made more than a conqueror, then the enemy is more than beat. He likes to run a bluff on us. Paul goes on to say, I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, amen, nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall separate us from the love that Christ has for us. You are not alone. Even in your darkest hour, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Job going through the test of his life. His wife looks out at him and says, Job, you look like a miserable individual. Why don't you just curse God and die? Job said, you sound like a foolish woman. Though God slay me, yet will I trust in him. Amen. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I know you are not alone. Don't forsake him and he will not forsake you. Number six, when you think that you don't have the answers, think again. God does. How many of you ever faced a situation and you just simply did not have the answer? I've been there. You've been there. We've all been there. Can I tell you a secret? God has the answer. He knows, the Bible said, he knows the secret things. Well, what does he tell us when it comes to these things that we do not know? This is what he tells us in Jeremiah 33 and 3. He said, call unto me. You have an invitation to call upon the Lord. Call unto me. And then we have a promise because he says, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. In other words, God is saying, I know some stuff you don't know. And if you will just call upon me, I'll bring some revelation to your life that gives you direction and gives you the answer. 
Psalms 50 and 15 says, call upon me in your day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7, the Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asks, amen, is going to receive. Everyone that knocks, it's going to be opened unto you. But beloved, we got to do the asking and we got to do the seeking and we got to do the knocking. Hmm. Isaiah 58 and 9, then shalt thou call. I love this. Then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer and say, here am I. Amen. How many of you, when you call upon the Lord, you want him to say, I'm right here. Well, you may not get the answer the first time, but if you keep knocking and you keep seeking and you keep asking, he'll sell your house. <laughs> Hello? You keep knocking and you keep seeking and you keep, you keep asking, he'll open up an avenue of blessing. Amen. You may not have the answer to your need, but I'm telling you this morning, God holds the answers to the secret things uh, that we do not know. And I will tell you right now from experience, God can give you one word uh, in the spirit and that one word uh, will hope open up a whole avenue of understanding in your life. God can just speak one word uh, in your life uh, and that one word will cause you to have faith to believe God. God for the impossible. It's been some time ago. I don't even remember when now. But I got up one evening. My wife looked at me. We were fixing to get ready to go to bed. I got up from the couch and was turning off television and lights. And she said, looked at me and she said, are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Why? She goes, you don't look fine. The side of your face over here just looks different. Something isn't right. I went to the mirror and looked into the mirror. And this side of my face had, you know, I mean, I would go like that. I had, you know, the wrinkles here and the crow's feet and all that. And this side of my face was just blip. She said, oh, my God, have you had a stroke? I said, I don't, I don't think so. She jumped on Google. Now, how many of you know that's a good thing to do? And it said, you know, close your eyes and put your fingers together and all this kind of thing. And if you can do all of that, you haven't had a stroke. I told her before I ever started any of this, I said, I think it's Bell's palsy. I had a friend that had Bell's palsy. I said, I think it's Bell's palsy. So, you know, I did all those little things that she said. And she goes, no, I, you haven't had a stroke, but something ain't right. And I'm like, yeah, you got that right. <laughs> it was like this side of my face just went on vacation and I knew nothing about it so I don't know about three four days went by and she finally convinced me to go to the doctor because I go kicking and screaming and so I went to the doctor and the doctor said well you have a light case of Bell's palsy I'm like thank God it's light and 
And so I, you know, I mean, my eye would dry out and Sister Bonnie was gracious enough to get me some eye drops from where she works. And I kept putting eye drops in my eye and praying about it. And, you know, and I would head to work in the morning and, and, you know, I'm like, you know, it'll clear up at some point and da, 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 da. And, and, And then the enemy jumped on my shoulder and said, what if it doesn't clear up? What if it does? What if you are like this the rest of your life? I'm like, well, that could hinder my preaching. <laughs> yeah, that could be a problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I got a call from a pastor over in Boise, whom I preach revivals for for many, many years. He said, "I'd like for you to come and hold a revival." And the enemy jumped on my shoulder and said, "You can't do that. Look at you." And I went, "Yep, let's book it. I'll see you then." And I'm headed to work one morning. And and what I'm talking about is one word from God can give you faith to believe for the answer. I'm headed to work one morning and my eyes drying out. I've got the defrosters on because it was in, you know, that time of the year, early spring. And the defrosters are running and my eyes even drying out even more. And and the enemy jumped on my shoulder and says, you know, this isn't going to clear up. This isn't, you, no, no, you got a problem here. And all of a sudden... Oh, thank God. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I got you. I got you. And that one little phrase gave me the strength to tell the devil, you take a fly and leave, buddy. Amen. God has got me in the palm of his hand. I don't know when and I don't know how, but I know it's going to be all right. I tell you, one word from the Lord this morning can give you strength to believe. And when you believe, Jesus said, you can move mountain if you'll only have faith in God. Mm. Amen. Number seven, when you think that it looks impossible, think again. It ain't. When you think that it looks impossible, how many of you ever face an impossible situation? David did. His impossible situation stood about 10 feet tall. Had a spear that was about 9 feet long. And every day, David's impossibility marched out and told the Israeli army, You send a man that we can fight. And if I win, you'll serve us. And if you win, then we'll serve you. And it looked impossible. And when David showed up, David said, no, you don't look all that big to me. You come to me with a shield and a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel whom you defied, and today you'll be bird feed. Amen. When you look like you're looking at an impossibility, think again. Daniel facing the lion's den. And yet God turned his impossibility into a possibility. Three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. 
Lazarus already dead four days in the grave. I came to tell somebody what you're facing may look impossible, but if you just trust God, all things are possible with the Lord. Amen. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse number 23, if you can only believe all things are possible to him that believes. Mark chapter uh, chapter 10 and verse number 27, Jesus said, looking upon them with men, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Matthew 21 and 22, this is what Jesus said, all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing uh, you shall receive. Uh, Amen. I'm going to tell you, that means nothing uh, is lacking when it comes uh, to faith in God. Hmm. Somebody said, well, preacher, I just, I I don't know if I believe that. Well, then you'll never see it. You'll never see it. All things are possible to them that believe. See, sometimes we just need to stir up our faith. Put another log on the fire. Stir up the gift that's within us and believe God. Believe that God will do what he said he would do. Believe that God is able to do what he said he could do. Amen. Sometimes we just need to challenge ourselves to believe God instead of believing the circumstances. The circumstances may say one thing, amen, but God's word says something different than I choose to believe the report of the Lord. Stop, pray, and think again. I got to close. Lord, have mercy. Seven things. Now, there's a few other things that I thought about this week. When you think that love, that doesn't, when you think that love doesn't matter, think again. Because the Apostle Paul said, if I give all of my earthly belongings and I am even burnt at the stake, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. There's a few other things I could add in there this morning too. Hello? See, what I'm saying though is when we, when we don't know what to think or we are thinking in one direction like Peter, Peter thought that he could withstand the trial And Jesus told him, in essence, you don't know what you're thinking. You don't know what you're saying. When we don't know what to think, allow the Holy Spirit to to allow us uh, information that causes us to think in the right direction and bring all of our thoughts into captivity and, and under the obedience of Christ. Our mind is the battlefield upon which the enemy wants to play. And if we start thinking the wrong thing, we'll start doing the wrong thing. Hello? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's so, it starts with a thought. We sow a thought, and if we sow that thought, we're going to reap an act. And if you reap an act often enough, you're going you're gonna, to, or if you sow, I should say, an act often enough, you're going to reap a habit. And if you sow a habit, you're going to reap a destiny. It, but it all started with one little thought. Allow the Holy Spirit to produce the right kind of thoughts in your life. 
When you think that it doesn't matter, think again. When you think that it depends on you, if you think it depends on you, you're going to leave a, a life of worry and stress. It doesn't depend on you. You are not that important. Hello? God knew you couldn't do it anyway. So he said, if you'll trust me, I'll do it. When you think no one cares, think again. They do. When you think that you can't go on, think again. You can. You must. If you, if you allow the enemy to sift you and separate you from God, all hope is lost away from God. When you think that God has abandoned you, think again. He hasn't. When you think that you don't have the answers, think again. God does. When you think that it looks impossible, instead of looking at the mountain and then turning around and telling how God, how big the mountain is, look at the mountain and tell the mountain how big your God is. It's all in how you look at it. It's all in how you think on it. Amen. Bow your heads and I'll close this morning. What to think when you don't know what to think. What to think when you're thinking improperly. It matters. It doesn't depend on you. It depends upon our God. He cares for us. We can go on. We can do all things through Christ. We are not abandoned. We are not forsaken. We are children of the Most High God. He has every answer to every problem that we have. And every impossibility bows at the name of Jesus. Some of you here this morning, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart in some of these areas. Bow your heads and let us pray. Heavenly Father, allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to our lives. Allow the Holy Spirit this morning, oh God, to bring revelation into our spirit and into our heart. Allow us to allow you to lead us in our thinking. I pray this morning, Lord, that every area that you have brought out this morning, that you will speak to us. Embed that within our spirit deeply this morning. Lead us, guide us. Bring answers to questions that escape us. Needs, I pray, oh God, financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, addictions I pray God that you break them I pray in the name of Jesus this morning that every need will be ministered to Holy Spirit speak to our hearts now in Jesus mighty name you're here and you would be willing to slip up your hand and say Pastor Gary some of these points got home to me today God sees those hands that are going up. Yes. God sees those hands that are going up. God sees those hands that are going up. Stand to your feet. Hoss is going to sing a worship song for us here in just a moment. But let me pray for every hand that was lifted. Almighty God, creator and giver of life. This morning, every hand that was lifted 
Strengthen them, I ask. Not in our might or our power, but, oh God, by your Holy Spirit, allow your presence to envelop us, to fill us, and to bring strength into our lives in areas where we falter. Let your name be glorified. And when the enemy comes to sift us and try to separate us from our relationship, our faith, our joy, our peace, our health, allow us this morning, oh God, to rely upon the word of the living God. Stop, pray, consult the word, and think again. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We will fail not to give you glory and give you the praise for all of the answers to the prayer. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.